Support our programming at patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Become a patron, and your contributions can help unlock bonus shows from RFR, online hangouts with the Rebel Force Radio crew, and more. Say it loud and say it proud. Support Rebel Force Radio. Click on the Patreon banner at rebelforceradio.com or visit patreon.com slash rebelforceradio. Rebel Force Radio is brought to you in part by Little Debbie Snacks, bakers of all galactic goodness, like mini donuts, star crunch, cosmic cupcakes, cosmic brownies, nutty bars, and much more. Little Debbie, official snack of Rebel Force Radio and fans around the galaxy. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content from Star Wars Episode 7: The Force Awakens, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. Rebel Force Radio presents... This is Master Obi-Wan Kenobi. I regret to report that both our Jedi Order and the Republic have fallen. This is Star Wars Rebels Declassified. I like the sound of that. A roundtable discussion about Star Wars Rebels. Pretty gutsy move, kid. I am the Inquisitor. Or Boston. Chopper, get us out of here. Now it's time for Star Wars Rebels Declassified. Well, if you thought that Winkathu was a weird name, they were really gonna they were originally going to call this the Commodia job. Because of that uh, that 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 atmospheric turbulence. Where the uh, where the abandoned ship is, it, it looked like a big spiral, you know, like when you flush the commodia. <laughs> Swear to God, you know. I, I, it's what I, that's what it says. StarWars.com doesn't lie. So I was going to be those. The com- they don't lie, even though sometimes you wish they would. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Could you please, yes, lie to us a little bit. Lie to us. Um, I think that was, it reminds me of when uh, John Stewart was on stage with George Lucas and he was asking him about where did Obi-Wan, the planet Obi-Wan came from, and he's called it Stu John. And, and even though he named it after John Stewart, John Stewart looked kind of disappointed, like, just please don't just, like, make it up now. Like, this is, you should have thought this through. This is important stuff. Can't make this up on the fly, Commodia job. Pirates of the Commodia said, no, we're talking about the win, win, hold on a second now. I want to see this. I want to say it right. The Winkathu job. Winkathu. Gesundheit job. <laughs> uh, so, yes, we are talking about uh, still in Season 3, Episode 7 or 9, depending on how you count. The Winkathu job here on Star Wars Rebels Declassified. The original air date for this episode, November 26, 2016. Directed by Mel Zwire and written by, guess who? Gary Whitta. Gary, didn't he write Rogue One? He uh, is credited with story, story by. by. That's his official credit. Yeah. Story by, a credit he shares with John Knoll. Yeah. He did work on the original draft. Yeah, he I think, bro- I think about- he helped break the story, as they say, right? Yes, he spent about a year working on the script, and he is the guy who named the movie Rogue One. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, as he was leaving the job, he said at least, you know, regardless of how it worked out, he'll always be, you know, the guy that named 
the movie, Rogue One. So anyway, Gary Whitta working on uh, Star Wars Rebels. And we're going to break it all down. And I'm so excited about this episode because we have someone on the program we've been trying to get on for a long time. He's very, very busy. Very busy, this guy. Doing all <laughs> kinds of other podcasts. Not Rebel Force Radio. Rebels do classified. Uh, we have with us... Oh, wait a minute. I didn't introduce you. How, I'm still here. I'm so yes. ahead of myself. I don't know what I'm doing here, folks. I really don't. I'm, I, you know what? I was reading something before we started recording, and it just got me all fired up. And now I can't even concentrate. I oh, can't even concentrate. doing that to yourself. I know. I know. I got all worked up. So, well, look at me. Look at me. I'm here in the front row. I got my hand up. Pick me. Pick me. <laughs> of course. That voice you're hearing is the one, the only, my good friend and yours from Chicago, who is not all worked up, Jimmy Mack. Oh, 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 Mr. Carter. Oh, I'm here. You already called me. I did. Hey, That's Jason. You. Hey, 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 Star Wars fans. Uh, good to be back. Um, uh, Winkatu, uh, cool episode, I think. And it has uh, some uh, nice references to old school classic Star Wars video games and uh, many other cool little Easter eggs in this one. So looking forward to talking about it with you, Jason, and our esteemed panel guest. Yeah, as I was saying, very excited to have him back on the program with us. Believe it or not, we have not heard from him all season. Um, but no, seriously, briefly, briefly, wait a minute, you did one and two, but then I had to leave because of family duties. Oh yeah. Because he's a dad now. Ladies and gentlemen, Kyle Newman. Yay! Yay! Kyle's with us. And yeah. I want to apologize for that. Cause Jimmy, I didn't, there was a point in that episode where we were talking about the nuanced spectrum of the force. And I didn't mean to disparage your point of view on it. I just meant that some people aren't exposed to all the Star Wars we're exposed to, Clone Wars, Rebels. Some, people's, some people just watch the movies, um, and that's it. And all they would see is basically light, dark. But I was saying that we, though, have been exposed through, you know, George's Clone Wars experiments and, and beyond, that there have been other factions and other people who have interpreted it and influenced it and experienced and harnessed the Force in different ways. So it wasn't like a total shock for me, the Bendu edition. That's ah, not, but yeah, some the Bendu. much more jarring because they're like, what a guy in the middle. What is this crap? But we'd seen all these different types of people from Night Sisters, you know, to um, the season six uh, people, Jar Jar's girlfriend. You know, then we'd also seen um, <laughs> the, forgot about the, that. the people on Mortis who uh-huh. obviously have a very different understanding of it as well. Um, plus there's, there's more, you know, and I'm sure I'm leaving out a, bu- a bunch that even the Canon, you know, TV shows have covered. And I was just saying, you know, like there's the people that watch the TV show, get all these other levels and layers and details that the people that just, you know, chime in or pop by every, every calendar, uh, Christmas now, uh, that they, they don't experience. So. Yeah, I mean okay. that, that that has been a well, but that has been a it's been a an ongoing topic here, which yes. is this sort of uh, unfolding, larger view. Some may some might say of the force where there there are layers and nuances to it. It's not black white good evil. Um, there are, as Kyle put it, you know, there's stuff in the middle, and Bendu was a was a great example of that. And I and I'll tell you, it's kind of a a nice segue into this episode. Um, and, you know, last week, I'm sure that uh, people noticed that we were maybe a little hard on the episode. And it wasn't the point of I was actually listening back to the show. And I, I, I do this every once in a while. And I was listening back to the show. 
And uh, I kept saying within the first 10 minutes, I think I said three or four times, now it's not going to all be bad. It's not going to be all negative. <laughs> and um, I, J- Jimmy had some, some kind things to say about it. But FJ and I b- both kind of dogged on it pretty good. And, and I think the episode deserved it. I really do. I, I'm not going to lie. I, 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 I don't feel bad about uh, what I said. This episode for me, and we'll just kind of kick it off here with, with, with general, general thoughts, in compared to the last episode, what this episode did for me was it took what otherwise would have been a very, very bland filler episode, not unlike the last one, very similar in some ways for me, just in terms of how it felt, except for one element, and that was Hondo. And the, the I will say this, every time, in my opinion, and some may say, hey, they've gone to the well with Hondo too many times. I don't think they can. In an episode like this, you need someone like Hondo. And the, the writing of that character gets better and funnier. And I mean, I, for me, like really a lot funnier um, each time they do it. And, uh, and, I, and I even enjoyed um, As Morrigan, quite honestly. It's a character yeah. that I didn't really think too much about the first time we saw him. But I really liked it. Kyle, I thought they were a great duo, the two of them. And it... To me, it, it, it added a layer of enjoyment that I don't think would have been there. Oh, it was wonderful banter, very well written. As, and as you were saying, Hondo, um, they've added, he's become more flowery and hilarious, and they've just gotten his voice down, and now they're really playing with it, and we're used to it, so they can go even further with it. And uh, pairing him up with um, as Morgan, and both of them being so greedy and selfish, I think you know that, that helped underscore the theme of this one, you know, really about. If, if they could have worked together, they probably could have gotten more off that ship. And if they were yeah. upfront about everything, they would have been more efficient at, at, at their mission. And, you know, Hondo's always keeping from someone. And both of them are out for more treasure than the other. And, I, you know, they were always at each other's throats. So it's great to see that, you know, that the gray side of Star Wars, you know, and Hondo uh, is the best representation that we've seen from that in, um, in the animated uh, format, I can say pretty concretely. My only thing was, are we seeing too much of Hondo? And too coincidentally, mm. he's he pops up every other episode. It seems mm. like right now, and but I, I do feel like there's there's good warmth and camaraderie and comedy amongst the crew. But sometimes Hondo comes and he overshadows everybody, mm. and it's almost like just let him join join the crew. It's like adding that uh, the little blonde kid to um, <laughs> the Brady Bunch. <laughs> We, we uh, use that family ties or family or, ties. Uh, yeah, we are, well, he was legitimate, or the, or the right? He wasn't adopted. Different strokes. Yep. That kid? <laughs> Sam, <laughs> just like yeah, Sam. Sam. It's just like let's add a character to get some just to amp it up. Yeah, so let's do it. That that that's funny. You know, I mean, I, I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of with you. I think he could be as 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 recurring as Rex is. And I Rex something and I that said. Imperial droid is is where did is, he come from? I mean, I know he where came he came from, from, but I I know where he came from. But like, is this is this the first time we've seen him since? No, he's uh, he's appeared once or twice prior. Okay. All right. uh, I think in one of the command rooms uh, with uh, the general when they were making AP five large plants. Some way he, he's appeared yeah. a couple other times, but briefly, not as not as much of a role as. Yeah. Um, he did in this episode. I'm, I'm, I'm right about that, aren't I? I could swear yeah. I've seen him yeah. more than and his they, initial. They've appearance. made reference to him, too. They've yeah, that's made true. Yeah, yeah. So you, you've known he's around. And, I, and like Hondo, I like him. I like the element that he brings. I do. The AP5. With, with Hondo, I think something to appreciate also of, with his presence in this 
episode is uh, I, I did like the interplay between him and as Morgan, but I love the chemistry moments between Hondo and Zeb, my purple friend. You know, there was always just a little bit of back and forth there yeah. and, and, and the way Zeb had to crack the whip on Ezra as he was trying to assist Hondo and uh, just all the little comments that went on back and forth between those two. You could hear feel a, a legit tension between the two of them and i dig what kyle was saying but i'm not so sure if i could consider hondo onaka to be the the cousin oliver of star wars rebels i don't know they do have similar eyewear but uh beyond that no i don't think he is but i'm saying if he joined the crew he definitely would be he'd be like whoa something's going on here they feel they need to add this guy to the cast yeah um, you know to me um he would be kind of like a funnier less foppish uh, Dr. Smith from Lost in Space, where he's on the crew and you never quite know if he's, you know, going to be the team player or if he's in it for himself. You know, that kind of a thing. I put, I'd make did, him the Dr. Did Mark Smith. Matt, Mark Matten join the crew. Isn't he like the new gunner? Martin, <laughs> Martin Matt, by the way, if you watch Rebels Recon, you'll know why his name is not his last name was not Sato because he took Sato. the surname of his mother rather than his father. Uh, right. Wow. You're you're a trivia machine this week. Well, you know, I watched the recon. What can I tell you? I, I watched the recon. Um, Jim, something that Kyle said, which is kind of interesting, and I hadn't thought about it, is this this theme that's running through the episode about you get more working together. And there is a nice juxtaposition contrasting between what we see as Morgan and uh, Hondo doing and Zeb and Ezra. Because uh, there's a little role reversal um, that in this episode than we've seen in previous episodes where Hera sends them off and puts Zeb in charge. And Ezra's not too cool with that. Yeah. And what, what is her rationale for that? What did, does she give up? I think reason? she heard our, epi- our episode last week and realized he's getting a little full of himself. And uh, so this was, the, this was smacking him back down into, his, into place. A little smackdown, a little yeah. repercussion from his his uh, rash judgment in uh, the previous episode. Maybe, um, you know, uh, I, I didn't uh, really jump to any conclusion about why that was. And you're really opening my eyes to that. Why did she put Zeb in charge of this one? Obviously, she has a longer relationship with Zeb. Zeb's been part of the rebellion longer than Ezra. So with all you know, intents and purposes, he probably outranks Ezra for all we know. Hmm. There's such a clear soft spot, though, Ezra, for Hondo. And I think it just speaks mm, to that's true. His, it speaks to his rebellious, irreverent side. It speaks to his irresponsibility. It speaks to his youth. Um, and that's something, you know, they want him to work on. But like Kanan says, um, he's going to have to discover the truth about Hondo for himself. He says a statement like that, which is very true. You need to discover the, the essence of who a person is. Someone can warn you so many times or be like, Oh, you're going through this heartache. Well, this is the secret. You know, you still have to go through the experience of it. You know, right, right. there's no advice that can get you out. And for this, this is something uh, Ezra has to get out of his system. And Hondo represents this uh, cavalier side that uh, you know, if to be a Jedi, you have to kind of. He mm, has a he has a bit of a he has a bit of a blind spot when it comes. Well, not just with Hondo, uh, he has a bit of a blind spot. But but Kyle, that's that's interesting. I think you're you're dead on. That's why. Hera didn't trust Ezra to lead this mission is because he is a little uh, blind when it comes to uh, Hondo. But we also see this blind spot, you know, come come back. You know, you see it with uh, Darth Maul, for example. You see it immediately with, with Rex. You know, we're not quite sure when we first meet Rex exactly 
what's going on with him. Kanan's very suspicious, but Ezra's right there ready to embrace him. There is kind of a a blind trust. Where do you think that comes from in the character and the makeup of Ezra? Well, I think with with Ezra, I mean, he he's raised in this cauldron of this, you know, suppressed planet and without parents and He's the street rat. He got the haircut now, so he doesn't look like Aladdin anymore. <laughs> and you know, he is a product of something. You know, he 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 developed an awareness of his talents much later than he normally would have had the Jedi probably uh, maintained their existence, or, or at least you know some of their their probably galaxy dominance longer. Um, and I don't know. I, I'm starting to feel though that Ezra is a, a really good. Uh, cross section of all these characters, like they're all have become a family, and he's picking up something from like his sister, his brother, you know, his father, his mother, and you can see all these elements coming out in him. It's it's mm-hmm. almost heightened versions of what were already there, the raw elements of Ezra. But you're seeing, you know, how sometimes he can be incredibly mature, and sometimes he can be um, selfish and immature. Yeah. And uh, you know, the, the affinity thing with with Darth Maul. Um, I believe it's any, any time you get like, uh, some wind in your sails and you're feeling really good and, and someone's there patting you on the back and pushing you along further than someone that's saying, slow it down or do it my way. I just think that fed really quickly into his ego and, and, you know, Darth Maul knew that. Um, but Ezra was also clever about it. He also knew what Darth Maul was up to, but he plays with fire. You know, he's a character that, uh, tempts fate over and over again. He's cocky and he's brash and, um, in a very Anakin way, more so than we've seen any other uh, Jedi's in the saga. Luke was never this brash. I mean, Luke had faith in his talents and his abilities, but he wasn't um, not obnoxious about it, but brazen. And so Ezra is like a, is a very special character, and I think they've made him so special. I was listening to some of your other roundtables that he's he is a character that's going to have to be uh, dealt with. Um, or explained what happens to him and Kanan by the end of the series because they have become so beloved and they've also developed so much that you can't see them not factoring into the galaxy or the rebellion. Um, and once you make the universe as small as they make it in this series, uh, everybody knows everybody and everybody comes across every character. You've got Lando and Leia and everything. How could they not be like in a pinch during the OT and not be like, well, let's get Kanan and Ezra here. You know what I mean? Yeah. If right. Leia and everybody knows and how Lando knows about all these force users, they will. Luke's off doing his thing. Let's call up Kanan, my boy. You know, <laughs> well, they've gotten so deep into it. Yeah. Uh, it's this really small uh, Rolodex of characters now and everybody knows everybody and their talents are, are clearly quantified um, within the established rebellion now. So, yeah, I do think we're building towards an ending that's probably tragic for them, or at least they go off in a different direction. Or, um, you know, I don't know which way they're going to go with it, which which makes it very interesting. But maybe they weren't counting on them. Uh, you you write a sh- when you write a show, you just write it for good stories, mm. and maybe they didn't plan to accelerate it as much. I like the way this season jumped in, you know, like six months later, and as was further down the line. I like the way they upgraded Kanan and got rid of that nasty uh, facial hair and got him something respectable in the form of a beard. Um, his look, the look of these characters have really evolved and accelerated. Um, my one, I'd say my gripe with this season is that they didn't go longer with, uh, the Ezra Maul stuff. I felt like that was something that could have been played out 
um, underscoring a lot of all the stuff that's going on with these plots with, with Ezra and these characters, it would have been an interesting thing to be balancing um, at the same time if Ezra was still battling with with that or at odds with it or still harboring some yeah. um, desire for it. They wrote it into it really strongly and then they wrote it out very quickly but all of these plots could have been it just would add another dimension that it wouldn't have worked against it but it would have strengthened it i I just wish it would have you know been allowed to to breathe a little more uh narratively i i i agree you know jim when i was watching this episode and and you know we definitely want to discuss obviously the things that were there rather than just what what isn't there um but the the i I, I agree with Kyle, you know, and I met, mentioned this last week where it seems like Kanan's becoming more and more less of a presence. And this idea of carrying this narrative through of perhaps this struggle that he's having with his uh, disability and all of that, you know, they did a very fine job in the first season, particularly of him carrying sort of the angst of, you know, the the the, the lost Jedi, you know, he he had to break his uh, lightsaber up into pieces so he wouldn't be identified. It was always a big moment when he revealed himself, almost like, you know, Superman taking off the glasses and the, and the, and the suit and becoming Superman. Um, but that narrative is complete. He has no narrative right now. Um, do you feel like it's serving a greater good for the story? Or do you think they just there's nowhere for this character to go, to grow? What would you do with Kanan right now if it was you? Or are you okay with where it is? I'm okay with where it is right now. Simply for the fact that he's got a lot to chew on. Let's just say he's been dealt some heavy knowledge from the Bendu. He's uh, not as effective, you think, because he can't see. He appears to be getting along okay. But they're not so willing to throw him into action right now. So that may be a statement about his reputation he has as far as capability goes. Maybe they feel like he can't, he shouldn't be putting himself into harm's way. And as far as him being the undercover Jedi like he was before, or the cowboy Jedi as they would call him, where, you know, he would reveal himself by putting together his lightsaber. Oh, my God, he put those two lightsaber pieces on his belt together and made one lightsaber. He's a Jedi. I like uh, that, though. I, I did. I, I, liked I, I liked it, too. I liked it, too. But he's kind of uh, protected right now. He's being sheltered. He's with a larger crew than he's ever been with. So true. Yeah. At this point in time, maybe the need to put him in harm's way isn't really apparent but i think sooner or later obviously they're not done with this character no they're set they're setting it all up for something big to happen and it's going to happen with kane and and ezra standing right in the middle of it so it's going to be interesting to see what would i do though with his character if i were i would like to see him continue to grow in the force Mm. and maybe start unlocking some mysteries of the force in his downtime and become a stronger Jedi in the process. So when he gets thrown into battle, he can lay down some incredible new Jedi martial arts work that we've never seen before. Well, I think he started to do that a little bit with Bendu, didn't he? He started to – he picked up a new dimension of the Force. 
For in those sure. episodes with Bendu. And then he imparts that to Ezra when they have to go back to regain the, the holocron he relinquished. Okay. And then I want those these lessons to carry over so it's less episodic. Like this week we're going to rescue a ship of idiots. This week we're going to rescue a ship that's falling into a thing. It, it, I don't want it to um, drift back to just episodic because – they lay the groundwork for great character stuff, and sometimes they wrap it up too quickly. And there's no need because what you could still do is these episodes would still function episodically. But then what you'd also have happening is letting these character dramas percolate underneath. Um, like I do feel like Kanan has quickly let his rebel cell just integrate into the military. And that was a huge issue for him last year is we're not going to do that. And I know they resolved that more or less at the end of season two. But – um, these are long-term things that could still be, even though you write something very uh, three-act structure, oh, now it's resolved, you still or deal with things. There's the after effects. There's the ramifications of the choices you made. And I do think, you know, with Ezra, his choice to um, pursue this with Maul early on in the season should have had, should have been more of a defining factor in some of the way, uh, in moments, key moments he conducts himself, uh, in these, um, ensuing episodes, but maybe they're going to do that. And these are, these are small gripes. It's just like, Oh, could I make the show? Could it be more perfect? You know, I, I do indeed love the show. I love all the design stuff by Amy Beth Christensen. Uh, I like the way the show is directed as episodes. They're really, um, well done, briskly paced. This was a great episode. It, you know, it had. Um, I love the romantic kind of uh, cue when they open it up, and there's the treasure, and it's like you even see that artifact from that uh, Wat Tambor episode back in, yeah, that's in right. Clone Wars. And I was like, are we to assume that this Imperial vessel was the same vessel, you know, that was back there in the Clone Wars twenty years ago? And how did it get there? You know, but I like these little things they can do now that they have this, um, you know, this visual language and all these assets. And there's that, that vernacular people that have watched the show, pick up on those things. However, um, you know, like there is room for these larger character issues to still plug in and affect them within the framework of what is a, a very episodically, uh, drawn narrative that, you know, and this was a very self-contained thing, you know? Um, but there is, there, there's the opportunity. That's what's there for me. There's a missed opportunity to continue the character arc stuff, the larger picture season arc ideas that they've injected, uh, to just let them, you know, just play with them. Even if it's one moment where Ezra brings out a little more of how Maul tempted him in his reasoning for being upset that he's not picked to be the Captain, you know, you know what I what I keep waiting for, and, I, and I've been waiting for it in the last couple episodes. Is there to be some comment by Ezra to Kanan about how you know he's not training him anymore? He's, he's not learning anything anymore, and that that might be. Uh, it could be a couple of things. It could be insecurity that Kanan feels, you know, due to his his disability, or it could be fear that Kanan has about Ezra's tendency, you know, to maybe perhaps move towards uh, the dark. So, like you say, these little droplets that we could get that wouldn't take really any time that would sort of tie it all together, yet these standalones, you know, episodes could do just that and and stand alone. Um, Jim, I'd like to think yeah. that he is getting trained just off camera. 
We're not seeing some yeah. of the training going on. You'd but have think to think gonna, that they, they sit in. down a lot. Yeah. I think in, in, in an episode or two, I'm sure they're going to pop in. And it's going to be an episode about training. And you're going to see by by them not getting into it weekly, you're going to see how he's jumped forward by them moving on to progress to a more advanced point in training or they're on a more uh, more nuanced topic. Uh, my only thing is, you know, once you've written the season, you could probably take the season, step back, go macro, and go, oh, okay, we could plug this here, this here, and this in this episode. And look, we service this larger arcing theme and subplot across this character's arc. And now we look, let's look at just uh, let's look at Sabine and how can we do that. And I, I think just it's just one extra pass through all this stuff to uh, congeal it all together and heighten it because the episodes themselves are so well written. And the voices of these characters are great. I adore these characters. I, I like this show more than I like Clone Wars. I like I love Clone Wars, but it was out of like functionality. Like I got to see every episode, but I knew oh that was a dud, and this wasn't. I like this as an ongoing show. Like every episode, I like about the same. Um, yeah, I, it's I, consistent, I, and it's like a family, and I love that they finally have that. It is. There's. It's. It's more of an ensemble show. Um, it's. It. It. Um... It, the last one, I'm honestly, the last one was the, the only one I can think of that I didn't legitimately enjoy. I actually like that one. Oh, I, really? I like Iron uh, Squadron, yeah. I, I like. I mean, I I didn't think this episode had much meat to it, but I really enjoyed it. And I and they, again, the the stuff that they wrote for Hondo and and as Morgan. By the way, as Morgan, the director James, or excuse me, the voice actor James Hong, is he not the uh, great Asian character actor who, for example, was. In that famous Seinfeld episode when they're at the uh, Chinese restaurant. Oh, is that him? Wow. I believe that's him. You know, it comes out Seinfeld, fall. Excuse me, I'm expecting a call. Costanza? Yes, I just got a call. Uh, I yell, Cartwright! Cartwright! Just like that. Nobody came up, I hang up. <laughs> yes, it is. It is him. Yes, the Chinese yeah. restaurant in the, the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, yeah, exactly. First season of Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah James wow. Hong, funny guy. They, um, real funny guy. But he pops up in in a lot of different things. Great, great character actor. Um, Jim, something that it, I occurred to me with this episode um, is that you see, and, and you have to assume. I mean, kind of what what Dave has alluded uh, to is that. You know, the ghost crew is sort of a microcosm of what a lot of these uh, rebel cells uh, are going through and, and, and doing. And you see a lot of cozying up with some real um, scumbags. Uh, who was the um, who was the guy that they were uh, always getting gigs and stuff from in the first season? Um, Visago. Visago. And now we've got, you know, Hondo teaming up. It made me wonder if would it would it would it stands to would it would it stand to to reason that after the rebels uh, are able to uh, you know successfully defeat the empire that wouldn't a lot of them kind of be in in hock to some of these more uh, deplorable to use the lack of a better word uh, these deplorable factions you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. like wouldn't mm-hmm. wouldn't they really owe a lot to these pirates and these scoundrels. Yeah, you know, I mean, as far as monetarily goes, and yeah, and politically too. Well, obviously, I mean, we we saw a, a similar situation going on with Han and Jabba in the original trilogy. So, 
Um, but I mean, Han wasn't working for the greater good yeah. and helping out the rebellion at that time. He was actually working for Jabba and ended up uh, losing a shipment of Jabba's and cost Jabba a lot of money. Yeah. And Han, so what did Han do? He split. Yeah. And uh, tried to earn some cash to win back Jabba's favor, to buy back Jabba's favor. Um, in this particular case, though, you have a rebellion, you have an underworld, mm-hmm. and the two are working together out of necessity. But I believe that the rebellion oftentimes does not feel that they're beholden to the underworld, that they can take from them because they believe mm. they're serving the greater good of the galaxy okay. while they're stealing from, from criminals. So neither. So, so you're saying that probably neither party really feels any great um, loyalty or um, you know uh, obligation to the other side. They both know that it's a it's like a one night stand, right? Right. Exactly. You, you both you both know what you're getting yourselves into, and you're okay with it. And the likelihood they're friends of with benefits. That's what I'm trying to say. Yes, and and <laughs> in those situations, the likelihood of backstabbing is amplified, and uh, be, because uh, there's there's sometimes it, it's a spectrum. There's too much to lose, or there's everything to lose. With the rebellion and its relationship with the underworld, I think it's it's not maybe like a Robin Hood situation. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but you see. What an oddity it is in this episode for Ezra to go and assist the underworld pirate as he's helping Hondo load up all of that treasure onto the uh, onto the uh, the, uh, the the wench or whatever it is. Yeah, right. Um, yeah. So, um, so you know, and at, at that moment in time, Zeb has to crack the whip on him and say, "Get over here." You're part of the rebellion. Mm. You're here to acquire these supplies. And that's the only reason we're here. What Hondo does is what Hondo does. But when we're done, we're leaving with or without Hondo. That was sort of what I was hearing here. Yeah. They had already, because obviously they had already gotten what they needed from Hondo, location and information. And uh, Hondo's stipulation was, you bring me along for the ride. I take what's in that hold, you take what's in that hold, and uh, we'll get what we can before this ship gets flushed down the toilet. Yeah. In the, in the atmosphere of Komodia. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Wincathu. Yeah. So, so you, know, you, you see sort of elements of the, the strained relationship between the rebellion and the pirates or the rebellion and the just underworld in general. Right. And how... How a deal between the two or a working partnership can completely crumble in an instant. Right. It might be also an aspect of the enemy of my enemy is my friend kind of. A Always. Thing. Yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, they work together out of necessity. Right. And I think Hondo even has a joke about something like that. He says, you know, uh, we have something the Empire does not have. And what's that? you know desperation or we have no choice or whatever it was because they were just going to leave that ship they had they didn't really need it um they've got plenty of money but for the uh you know the rebels that was that represented something that they desperately needed uh desperation or something i think it was a great great line yeah that was the best line in the episode i thought yeah it really rings true because it's as funny as it is. It's also true. I'm talking because I'm. <laughs> we have a special guest. Yeah. The show. Why are you talking on it to the people? 
because we're all Star Wars fans. This is how it works. This is called the Star Wars community. Why? Because Star Wars is awesome, and it's the glue that holds uh, Don't fandom together. Don't you, do, you watch Star Wars with me tonight, right? Did you like it? Daddy, don't do it. <laughs> what did he say? Daddy, don't do it. Don't talk Star Wars. Don't, don't do, do it, it, Daddy. So I was listening to an episode earlier in the season, and I was like, I thought I'd listen to all these episodes. And for some reason, the episode that I was on at the beginning of the season showed up, and I was listening. All of a sudden, I came on. I was like, oh, I did hear this one. I'm on it. And he's like, that's you, Daddy. You're talking Star Wars. He's like, what's going on? I want to hear it. But I, I didn't want to hear myself again. But um, uh, I was like, oh, I've heard all the roundtables. All right, I'm, I'm caught up. Uh, why is this one back in my feet? But um, he was just like, oh, you talk Star Wars. I see how it is. So we'll get him podcasting soon. He wants it on. We had, good, we had a good Star Wars session last night. We were watching some of the Force Awakens with commentary. His godfather uh-huh. Toto was over. And um, we busted out some of his uh, metal ships and some of his action figures. Sweet. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Getting raised right. Getting raised right. Uh, Does he watch watch Rebels with you? He does. Like, he'll get into it, but sometimes it's... It's a touch sometimes too advanced for him, or it's it's a lot of dialogue. He wants Kinder Eggs. He Kinder Eggs his jam. He wants to watch Kinder Egg unboxings and oh, yeah. openings. Oh yeah, that's that's his thing. So uh, have was, you uh, have you have you gotten some of those bad boys on the black market there, Kyle? You figured I, out how to get those? Import them from like India and Germany and uh, wherever I can get a Kinder Egg. Um, but if they had Star Wars Kinder Eggs, oh boy, great, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great? I don't. You know, there's just some stupid law in the United States that you can't put toys inside food. But they've been separating them into two pieces, like the foods on one half and the toys on the other half, and use a little spoon to eat the white chocolate. He's digging those. They could jam a little uh, Star Wars toy in there. I know. I know. I, I, I can't. I can't divulge my source on air, but I can tell you somebody who can hook you up. On, All uh, right, we're gonna have to talk off air. <laughs> Um, but hey, let's talk about the. Uh, I wanted to talk about the droids, the Sentry droid. Okay. Um, I, I, I uh, maybe it's just six seasons or of of, of Clone Wars, but it, I find it harder and harder to be scared of droids anymore. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. We've seen so many of them with uh, the prequels and the super battle droids and everything. And it's like, well, okay, now the super duper battle droid. Okay. (laughs) Here's a super duper duper battle droid. Well, you know, when, when does this up now? What I did like about these droids in this episode was it was a, a direct aesthetic callback to the great video game, Dark Forces from the 90s, which was the very first Star Wars computer game I ever played. I was obsessed with it, and it took me nine months to beat it. I want to go back in the Wayback Machine, Jim, because you have said on the show many times that Star Wars is what has pushed you uh, through all of your technology uh, adoption. So was your first uh, computer house, you know, PC, was it brought into the house because of a Star Wars video game? No, it was because of a tech-savvy fiancé. Ah. And, uh, yeah, so uh, Wendy had the hookup right away, and I didn't even know what it was. You know, (laughs) I mean, at that point in time, it was like, well, what's this? And then she punched up some chat room, and she's like, look, people are talking. And I'm like, well, make them stop. (laughs) 
because I just, you know, I, I was afraid, like my privacy was suddenly being uh, invaded, and mm-hmm. oh, little did I, know, little did I know yeah, right, <laughs> what the yeah. internet would be doing to my privacy <laughs> twenty some years later. But Dark Forces was definitely my introduction into Star Wars computer games. And you know what? Star Wars video games, for that matter, because growing up an original trilogy generation kid, we didn't really have Star Wars home video games uh, worth anything. There, there, was, uh, there was stuff on the old uh, Atari 2600 that was pretty dreadful. There were some good cabinet games. But Dark Forces, to me, was really the first first game I could sink my teeth into, and it was a computer game. I had never played a computer before. I had never had a CD-ROM before. So here you go, more examples of uh-huh. where Star Wars has helped me adapt with new technology. And and Dark Forces, it was a single, uh, a one-man shooter. Um, you, you know, you're seeing it from the point of view as Kyle Katarn, and um, you were uh, fighting this uh, Imperial installation, various installations throughout the galaxy that were developing these dark troopers that had incredibly strong armor. And uh, they were just like the next wave of Imperial oppression that was going to be released on the galaxy. And what I'm seeing from these troopers is uh, definitely um, the, the head is something that is definitely reminiscent of the phase two and phase three dark trooper the body a little more skeletal a space more, trooper right is that what they which more no 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 dark trooper dark from trooper. the dark forces video games the space trooper is actually from the thrawn trilogy the books but the dark trooper is exclusively up to this point has always exclusively been in dark forces the video game and the, oh. what you see the head is is definitely derivative of the the dark trooper along with uh, like i said the body a little more skeletal resembles the phase 1 dark trooper there are three phases of dark troopers and they just got bigger and badder each time they were uh, they were unleashed kind of like iPhones uh, which get smaller and dumber every time well, they come. Well, out. I, I, um, I thought they were based. I, you have to, I'm, I'm a little behind because I thought it was the space trooper. I was getting the dark trooper and the space trooper mixed up. Uh, now, yeah, I mean, in Rebels Recon. Yeah, I got, I got trivia for you. Yeah. In Rebels Recon, Henry uh, Gilroy actually reveals that they did base the look on the dark trooper. Yeah, I, that's uh, pretty cool. I like that game. That was a good game. Also, back in that era. What was it the the CD interactive the CD ROM before the Magic? Remember that one? Oh yeah, yeah. beyond beyond the Magic. I think beyond the Magic was it yeah. between the Magic inside the Magic? <laughs> Something groundbreaking, behind uh, primarily the for the fact that it was the first format in which we could finally see those big darks, big dark lighter outtakes from the original. And, and things like cutaway time. scenes in Dark Forces were like a big deal. It's like oh check oh. out those cutaway scenes. Mm-hmm. Big deal. Big well, deal. Wasn't, wasn't Dave, we, didn't Dave Prowse shoot some stuff? No. Yes, now you're what, thinking of what video game was about, that? It was Computer that game. was a, an interactive CD-ROM game, or no, no, it was a an interactive VHS game. You would play on your VHS. Oh my gosh! Right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 And you can find footage of that online on YouTube as well. But um, but Dark Forces, you know, I mean, it's almost appropriate that we're talking about it now because the way the game starts out, your first level, your job is Kyle Katarn. I can never say his name uh, very smoothly, even 20 years ago. But um, Kyle 
Katarn. I just want to be specific because we have yeah. Kyle Newman on the show, and I don't want people to get confused. Right. But uh, this guy Katarn. that, yeah. you know, the hero from Dark Forces, his, in the first level, his mission is to steal the Death Star plans. So, <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious that we're talking about oh, it now. Yeah. Right on the eve of... For, yeah. <laughs> Rogue One. I think when so, they were designing Kyle Katarn and Dash Rendar, they just said they just were trying to perfect the look of Chuck Norris in space. Yes. <laughs> they were just like, how can we get a Chuck Norris S character, red beard and all, into this? How can we? How can you we know, do it? I, I remember. I remember standing in a toys and uh, st- no, it was. I think it was a. It was a Hills. Yes, it was a Hills store. Standing in a Hills, looking at. The whole wave of the expanded universe figures that came out during the Power of the Force line in the in the late nineties, and Space Trooper, or excuse me, yeah, Space Trooper and Kyle Katarn and Clone Emperor. Do you guys remember these? And and Evil oh, Luke, yes, yeah. Absolutely. And I and I stood there staring at him, debating whether I should buy them because I wasn't into the expanded universe. It was the first time I had really even heard it called expanded universe because I think that was actually on the card back. Um, when these figures popped up, uh, I bought them anyway, and I'm glad I did because they actually ended up being one of the few, uh, you know, some of the few that are actually uh, of any value of those figures. But they're very popular. But I always thought, yeah, that the Kyle Katarn looked like Chuck Norris. <laughs> All, yeah. well, speaking of action figures and Rebels, I want an AP5 action figure. So if anyone from Hasbro is listening, AP5, he's a cool droid, and he sounds like um, Severus Snape. So that's kind of cool too. He does. He does. Yeah, there's a there's a number of uh of characters I wouldn't mind see uh being made as uh, action figures. Like, I don't know, like uh Force Awakens Luke. Why not that? Oh yeah, what what's up with that? Wouldn't that be a novelty? Maybe would... even maybe even the villain of the film Snoke? Oh my god, crazy. That'd be crazy. interesting. Right? Give kids the opportunity to play with uh the MacGuffin Why? and the villain. I have a theory though. Kyle, since you brought it up, real quick, I want to take your temperature on this because I, I believe we know how, where Jimmy stands on this. My feeling about Snoke is that they didn't make that figure yet because they haven't yet defined him size-wise. I heard that he is defined. They know what he is. Maybe it was a decision late. Mm. I've seen concept art I probably wasn't supposed to see of what he alternately looked like, and uh, he wasn't exactly... Um, like that and you have to think if you're going to go get the best motion capture guy on the planet yeah. to sit him in a chair yeah, um, he's going to move it feels somewhere. like a little bit of a late game change from what my from basically seeing the previous design and then seeing what ended up on screen you deduce that they did some changes i think scale wise that didn't throw me everyone's like oh is he a giant you're like well was emperor a giant when he appeared in empire strikes back and it was just his head right yeah no that's true well, that's, that's true that he was 100 feet tall um what if he's tiny about seven yeah, i want little i want <laughs> little guy snoke i want like just mini snoke <laughs> oh there's somebody inside of snoke or behind it like the wizard of oz oh he's a puppet I love he's this a idea. <laughs> it's Frank and Oz. It's Melch the Ugnaught. He survived all this time. <laughs> it's Belch. Oh, no, Melch. Melch. Sorry, I thought Belch. Belch. But Melch the Ugnaught with his outfit, doesn't he look like one of those HR Puffin stuff guys, those little constables that run around? Oh, from the, the... I was like, what is this helmet? <laughs> now, that's not the same Ugnaught that we saw get blasted the last time we uh, we saw Hondo, was it? 
Remember the little Ugnaught that got, they're running oh, away yeah. and he, he was dead. Was yeah, he was <laughs> dead. <laughs> well, I thought so, but. The probe droid shot him. Okay. And yeah, that was it for <laughs> but him. But he went flying and oinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ugnaughts are like, they they're smelled like the house bacon, man. A franchise. They're what? They're like the house elves of this franchise. <laughs> yes, they, they are. <laughs> they are, actually. Um, all right. So, you know, the episode kind of, it doesn't leave us really any further than uh, than we were prior to the episode uh, happening. Um, I guess you could sort of, you know, FJ was making the comment uh, last week that he was hoping and thinking that these episodes you know when they like when they find wedge when they get uh mart matten and and the last week and all of this that they they they're in this process of collecting this ragtag group that becomes you know obviously a, a part of the rebellion and um you know just unless hondo is going to play a role in this uh, who knows there doesn't seem to be anything at the end of this episode rather than you know other than like some uh proton uh torpedoes or uh, Are they going to ever use those? They keep collecting these. They got them with Lando in season one. Is that what two. they were after? I feel like they're always episode? after these things, like they're, they're Energon cubes, and they never use them. Yeah, well, or maybe they're using them off screen. They're doing a lot of really cool stuff off screen. They're training Ezra. <laughs> Kanan, Kanan is dealing with his angst. There's a lot of really good stuff happening off screen, apparently. Darth Vader. <laughs> yeah, right. Darth Vader's working, walking around. Where do you guys stand um, on Thrawn? Are you guys loving it, or how do you feel? I'm happy to see him in this show. I'm happy but to see him, but how do you like this version of him? Well, so far, I think they've just done nothing but give us a little bit of a tease. I would like to see him actually do something substantial, as opposed to always just sitting back and plotting and acting as if everything is unfolding exactly the way he <laughs> Wants well, that's it exactly how he was written. However, I don't know if I'm in love with the performance yet. Maybe it's just the I would say my least favorite animated character on the series is him of these main characters. Maybe the girl with the severe bangs. There's just something <laughs> bizarrely disproportionate about her face. And also he looks more like a character out of um, Miles from Tomorrowland than, than the series. So it's, uh, is it his look? Because I, I know that you had, you had some hang-ups, Kyle, with the voice. And yeah, instantly, I love the voice, and I still love the voice. Something. I, I don't know. I'm not totally jiving with the throne that I knew from mm. those novels and the pr- precision and speed at which his mind worked. Um, it doesn't jive necessarily with his um, languid molasses dialect, you know? mm I don't know. He's just slow. Yeah, he seems looted out. It doesn't. It's they're capturing <laughs> the character right. Like they've got him down with. He collects art and he studies these other aspects of culture to get one up on his his people and to get insight into how they they think. But that that uh, the reverend. But I don't know if he, he's. I read it in my mind as a character that thought quicker, and he just seems a bit slow. Mm. Well, I don't know. If yeah, I love the performance. I, 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 I gotta, love Thrawn. I'm glad he's on the show. Yeah, I am too. I I love. I, I actually love the way he looks. I think the voice is incredible. I've said before, he sounds to me just like Boris Karloff uh, as the narrator for the uh, the Grinch. And to me, that's a, that's a high compliment. I love that performance, and I love the voice. I think it fits the look of the character very well. 
Um, but is that choice, or is that just because this is a guy who has a different? Um, he, he has a an he, accent. He, well, he has a very unique accent. Um, Scandinavian. Yeah, the Scandinavian thing. It's it's yeah. It's um. It's not something. I don't know if it's character choice or if he's just speaking with a Scandinavian accent. Well, e- either way, for me, it fits. Um, but I also, you know, like like Jimmy and you and you also agreed, Kyle. You know this, um, this sort of passive place that he's at, where it's he's quite ineffective. Yet um, that's part of how effective he is. Right? And it's it's a very odd, it's a very odd thing. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not really buying it. But I think they're afraid to use overly use him because he's just going to be another guy who's always failing. That's true, but I mean, think of all the best shows on television. Uh, mm-hmm. Are they afraid to overuse their good characters? Yeah, no, I, I, I'm with well, you. I mean, they I, embrace the good character, and you don't go into it with fear. You figure it out, and the character gets better and more interesting. And I'm not saying that against the show. I'm not saying they're yeah. not doing that. Well, what that's was never the name? Um, what, what was the name of the guy on the A team that was always coming after them? He was always a uh, Decker, right? Wasn't it Decker? Was, was that a, who? Was? Yeah, yeah. It was just he I would pop up, and you know, there'd he be was also like, in the fan club with me. What's that? What's that? I think FJ was in the fan club with me. I was in the I was in the A team fan club. I'm forgetting. <laughs> well, but there was you know so you had the A team, and it was uh, of course it was a they were all standalone episodes, but but maybe two or three times a season Decker would show up and he'd be in you know he'd be coming after him. He was the, the Hannibal and and the guys were sort of his white whale. He was from the military. He was trying to get him back and have him face charges for walking out or whatever it was. Oh and, yeah. And I and 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 he was, uh, you know, sure he was ineffective, but it always, boy, it always seemed like he was going to nail him, you know, each time. So I think, uh, to your point, there is a way to use that reoccurring villain without making them completely, you know, n- neutered and uh, a laughing stock. It's not like they all have to be Doctor Claw from Inspector Gadget, um, but uh, at, at any rate, um, I think that. Um, We've had a couple of episodes lately that haven't really, I, I don't think, taken us any further than we were before the episode. Uh, next week, it looks like we're going back to Lothal. Uh, and we've got, what's the name of the guy that's uh, coming in there? Azadi, is that it? Ryder Azadi, is that him? The We've seen him before. Oh, yeah, he was the guy who's a, he was a friend of... Uh, Ezra's parents. Ezra's parents. That's exactly right. And then he's played by uh, is it Clancy Brown? Clancy Brown. Yeah, Mr. Krabs. Yeah, that's a good character. I, I mean, I like the idea of going back to Lothal. Like mm-hmm. this is the Genesis Planet of this series. This is their their Tatooine for the show. I think it's important. Yeah. that they go back, and then you ca- you can actually track your character's growth by how much that planet has changed. And um, Thrawn, the, the Thrawn character is interesting. And like, I, I did like the little bit at the end of that episode of the Iron Squadron where. You know, he was using it to to test something uh, about Sato. Like he wanted to see. I I didn't like what he learned from it. I didn't think it was a big enough morsel. Mm-hmm. But I like the idea that by using his nephew as a bait, he got to learn something about his his enemy. Like if it would have had to have him show his hand about how he uh, military tactic or prowess or what they have at their disposal so he learned more instead he just learned oh yeah he has a nephew that he's attached to like then mm-hmm. i get he has an attachment and maybe family is bigger than the war commitment to him and yeah if what he learned but is that worth letting them get away i, I mean I like it conceptually how it's written to have a discovery but was the discovery did it validate the structure i, I don't i don't know um 
I, like I said, going back to Lafal, things like that are going to be cool. Is Thrawn going to factor into that? Um, I, I think using characters sparingly is fine. Um, but to, to what end? And then where does Thrawn end up at the end of this this series, you know? Um, right. And like, like likewise, where do, where do, where does Honda end up? Where does, um, uh, as Morrigan, I, I guess, do they all need their endings? You know, when this wraps up, I don't know, but, um, we sure as heck need it now with this ever expanding crew. Yeah. Uh, just because they're so darn likable, you know? Yeah. I, I'd like to see Hondo show up in a live action Ahsoka movie. That's what I'd like to see. That's going to wrap up our look at the Win uh, Kathu job. And uh, hopefully after this episode, we, we get back on track and sort of on to the, uh, the larger story that Rebels is, is telling, at least that we think that it's telling. This could be the calm before the storm. We speculated last week that maybe we're just got to get through the rest of this first half of the season and then after Rogue One hits the theaters and the cats are all out of the bag we'll see uh, maybe some of those elements come into Rebels I'd like to see some of those characters yeah next season maybe as a connective tissue you definitely want to see them in this show before they were on screen in Rogue One but since there's this two years to go until the film maybe some of these these more embedded Rebels appear in the in the show you know right yeah I, I would love to see that too i think that would just as soon as we start to see some real connection between the films and the animated universe i think it'll um it'll make it'll make quite a statement and i think it will uh, yeah it'll be a good thing uh all right kyle always great to uh talk to you man it doesn't happen enough but we know you're busy you got the career you got the family all of that um, i'm always around to talk star wars so let me know and also jimmy Jimmy and I have been doing um, another little side podcast thing, the franchise. I know you guys have mentioned it before, but we have a brand new season, which I think you'll get a kick out of, Jason, which is um, dissecting the Harry Potter films. We do two films per episode, and then we have a Fantastic Beasts uh, episode, so there's five in total. And, I mean, it, it's a blast uh, getting Jimmy to watch Harry Potter for the first time, <laughs> sit down and uh, absorb it all, and... And been a blast. Into it. Um, I know there was some resistance over the years, some franchise rivalry, but now he's into it. Um, yeah. Y- I yeah, do like the Potter now. I do. And, I, and I'm thirsting for a butter beer these days. <laughs> I was trying to line it up so when you guys come out to the uh, premiere, we could uh, go grab them at the Universal City Walk, but there might not be enough time. It's going to be tight. It's going to be tight. But we'll see. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Uh, you know, these days, if somebody presented me a choice between a, a glass of blue milk and a butter beer, I would probably take the butter beer. <laughs> really? But, that, but that, that has nothing to do with franchise loyalty. Let me just tell uh-huh. you. Uh huh. It's all about the gullet. It's all about yeah. the beer. But I like that now, Jim, you have a new place to go when you go to uh, Orlando. You're going to have to make a pilgrimage. That's right. We're Harry talking Potter. about. Uh, 
maybe a, a day or two before Star Wars Celebration Orlando, we get out there a little early and yeah. we take in we take in the Potter. I'm all for it, man. I, I haven't I haven't done it. But anyway, uh, Kyle, always great to uh, chat with you. If if folks want to uh, follow you, where's the best place to do that online these days? Kyle underscore Newman on Twitter and Instagram and also Facebook. Um, so, yeah, hit me up there. Thanks awesome. again for having me on. It's always a pleasure. And, um, you know, I like I said, this is my uh, I'm a firm believer. This is my favorite Star Wars animated show. I, I love it more than uh, Clone Wars. And I still think there's new heights to hit with this show. And just think it's, it's just such strong characters, such great writing such beautiful animation and they can just keep pulling the strength tighter and tighter and weaving this into something even more magical. I think end of the season, season four are going to be really, really spectacular. All right, man. And we'll be seeing you soon. So best to the family. Thank you for letting us have you. James. All right. All right. Bye guys. All right, man. (laughs) Take care. Uh, Jimmy Mac, final thoughts when Kathu job. All right, Jason. Like last week, uh, we're seeing a little more filler. Nothing really for us to sink our teeth into as fans, and I think that's being done deliberately. It's a strategy to keep us focused on what's coming up in Rogue One and not bog us down with a very uh, complicated and uh, hardcore storyline that will really take our breath away. Uh, They're going to save that for the second half of the season. I strongly believe that this series has been greenlit for a fourth season because of the fact they're going to be able to mix in new Star Wars elements introduced in Rogue One. We're going to be seeing that in the second half of the season, and we're going to be seeing it in season four. So I'm looking really forward to that. Uh, some of the guys we're seeing back in this episode again, we see As Morgan, uh, As Morgan, who uh, we last saw in season one. He was in that Lando Calrissian episode. He was double crossed by Lando. He was trying to buy Hera, <laughs> wasn't he? Yes, and uh, and as you recall, he was the owner of the infamous Puffer Pig. So I thought, right. I thought we we're, I thought we we're going to get the Puffer Pig in this episode for for sure. Uh, thus destroying my uh, tagline, but uh, luckily no puffer pigs in this episode. But speaking of pigs, we do get an Ugnot, and uh, he's a member of Hondo's old crew, a, a cat named Melch. Yeah. And uh, as, as many of you know, um, former Clone Wars writer and current Rebels writer Stephen Melching is uh, ah, the guy yes. who inspired the name of Melch. And and, and Melching, of course, is a, a good friend of ours here at Rebel Force Radio. So yeah, right. happy to see him get that recognition. For sure. So, uh, you know, uh, I, I thought it was really good seeing uh, the, the Dark Troopers, as I said, or these uh, droids inspired by the Dark Troopers. I just love the old design aesthetic of that droid head. And I, I really enjoyed the sequence when they were transferring the treasure and the proton bombs out to the ghost could have done without Sabine's constant snarky whining about the crosswinds <laughs> and how they're running out of time. <laughs> she really was a uh, Debbie downer in this episode. Oh, wasn't she constantly yeah. that way, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> 
But all in all, I thought it was it was visually absolutely compelling, and I loved how it looked. So, uh, you know, good things to say about this episode. Is this another one of those groundbreaking episodes that are going to shake us to the core and rock the Star Wars sagas? You know it? No, it's not. It's fun. It's filler. And it's still Star Wars. So I give this episode, I'm going to give it three Banthas. Three Banthas for this. The, the rarely used Bantha rating system is back. This episode gets three Banthas. It would have gotten four Banthas, but puff a pig, not in this episode. All right. Uh, that's going to do it. We'll see you next time, the next episode, uh, An Inside Man, going back to Lothal. Uh, until then, you can go back and listen to, uh, as Kyle was referencing, uh, all of the uh, previous episodes here of Rebel Force Radio, uh, Rebels Declassified. So if you're new to this show or new to Rebels, it's always great to check those out in the archives. And that all can be found at rebelforceradio.com. So until then, uh, we'll see you. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. Seinfeld? Four? Hot right?